good morning once again, live from the downtown KOPN studios. The current time is 9 a.m. on Nose. It is Thursday, the 20th of August, and welcome to Community Pulse, your locally produced program on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. As always, we're so very pleased to have you here on your community radio station. On today's program, public health advocate Ginny Chadwick will be interviewing uh, Columbia Public Schools K-12 Science Coordinator Mike Sidlowski, and they will be discussing a document about outdoor learning. This was prepared by the Columbia Science Department. Mr. Sidlowski, thank you so very kindly and sincerely for joining us this morning on Community Polls. Good morning. It is my pleasure. And Mike, thanks again for coming back on the show to talk about um, COVID-19 and the impact of it to our Columbia Public Schools. So just to do a really quick consideration of what's happening in the state of Missouri and in Boone County, um, today is unfortunately a critical day in reporting that we had um, the equally highest number of cases in Boone County of any single day that we've reported, and that was 59. Um, We've had one other previous day that we had 59. It was originally reported at 61, but Boone County removed two cases. So um, we are hitting the the highest we've hit before, and at 59 cases reported yesterday. We have almost 1,000 people either in isolation or quarantining, meaning they have an active virus or they've been directly exposed to the virus. So looking at, you know, we have about 160,000 residents in Boone County, and we have a 1,000 of those quarantined or isolated due to um, either actively having the virus or direct exposure. So far, we still have um, just about two contacts per positive case, which I know that we've expressed before that being concerning because typically positive cases um, have had some contacts. And so right now we're reporting that just shy of 4,000 people have been directly exposed to COVID-19, um, and we've had 1,700 cases. So that's a lot of numbers. Um, one thing that I did find really interesting in looking at the data um, today was I was poking around on the Boone County, Missouri COVID Information Hub And for those of you who haven't gone on it, I think it's a really interesting place that they post all of their statistics. And Boone County is doing an amazing job being transparent with the data that they have. I noticed that on Saturday, August the 15th, the Boone County Health Department reported that we tested 1,100 Boone County citizens. And when we think about the number of tests that we're doing and we look across um, time, There was only one day that we even came close to that number, and that was on June the 3rd. We tested um, 850 residents. And so um, I am not aware or don't recall reading that we were doing any mass testing in Boone County on the 15th. And so, you know, I'll put a call out there to our listeners if they know, you know, the health community, if you know why we broke um, the highest number of tests on Saturday, um, and by double of any recent, um, you know, this this past week, there was only one day we even barely broke 500. So we did a significant, or at least there was a reported significant number of, of tests issued in Boone County on um, Saturday. One thing that we think about is that students are returning back to town. And um, as we've heard in news media, the Hearn Center has closed their testing location. And so um, 
MU Healthcare has the Mizzou North testing location, but they do not have a testing location within walking distance of campus. So as we're bringing in these thousands of students on campus, many without vehicles, there is not a walking distance testing site. I have heard that um, MU Healthcare is working on getting that set up maybe in the next week was what was communicated, but students do not have a test site um, in close proximity currently to the university. So as we are considering um, what we are doing for the Columbia Public Schools, um, we know that the Columbia Public Schools has announced that they're looking at now a 14-day average per that 10,000. And if they fall below that 50 per 10,000, then we'll have the hybrid model of two days a week. And if they fall below 10, um, then we'll have full in-person class. I think that many residents in Columbia are hoping that these the students are able to go back in part, at least, to school. Um, you know, it, it's possible that we'll go entirely online and that's the the Columbia Public School um, catchment area goes above 50 cases per 10,000. So, Mike, you guys have prepared a document that I think is very interesting because as we talk about the transmission and increased risk of exposure, we know that outside is the safest place to be. Um, so, can you tell me a little bit before we talk about the document about opportunities and times that the Columbia Public School has done education outside already. Sure. Uh, good morning. Uh, so we, my office, the science office, we have been trying to push outdoor learning for a long time, and, and it's been increasing. But uh, as bad as the pandemic is, the one silver lining is now everybody realizes, or so many people realize, the, the true value of outdoor learning. Uh, just for the kids, and this, this is even frankly, we knew it was positive before COVID even existed, or we knew of it. And outdoor learning, the research shows that kids' uh, attention spans are greater when they're outside. Their uh, their illnesses they go down, and whether that's because they're healthier or because they're just more interested and engaged and they don't fake a sickness to stay home or something, we don't know, but we know that their attendance goes up when they're more out, uh, outside more. Uh, we know their behavior issues uh, decrease greatly. Uh, one example is Fairview Elementary is our place-based school. Uh, and it's, it's a bad study because it's only the first year. And so we need much more data. But they saw in their fourth and fifth grade that converted to place-based last year, they saw a 50% decrease in the number of office referrals and they were outside so often. And then when we get to COVID, um, and I should also say academically, they found that students who learn outside, uh, even in areas of language arts and math, are more engaged because they're kind of they're kind of tired of being in the same walls the whole time. So it just gets their creative uh, juices flowing a little bit. Then as we get to COVID, it, it's it's kind of helped us as bad as it is. It's helped us in pushing this because now we've added an immediate health benefit to being outside, and that is the the even on what we think is very still days, there's still air moving, and it's moving that air away from the kids' faces and away from where the kids are sitting out into the open and gone, as well as sunlight if they happen to be in sun. Sun is not a friend of COVID, and so it will kill that virus pretty quickly, the UV light. And so we have, like I said, we've been doing this for a long time, but never have we seen the push. Like right now, I'm standing at uh, 
outside at West Boulevard Elementary School. And we have about, I think, 20 volunteers that are making four different outdoor classroom spaces today, as well as an outdoor lunch space uh, that will rotate for West Boulevard students. And then we were at Derby Elementary last week doing it. We were at uh, Benton. We've had Fairview for a while. And then we're moving on to Paxton, Jefferson Middle School, and Lang Middle School. Um, And those are just the ones we have on, and others are now trying to get on board. So every day my job has been getting volunteers to convert these areas as quick as possible to have them ready for when they come back. That is awesome to hear. I know that there's been a lot of community members say we want outdoor education. So if there are people who are interested in volunteering to help to create these spaces, how and where would they go to get involved? Sure. So we post every volunteer opportunity on our Facebook page, which they can just do a search for CPS Science. And every single time we'll have a we'll, we'll have all the information on what the times are. Uh, we are practicing, even though we're outside. Uh, we say if we are with anywhere within people, you have to wear a mask. If you're working by yourself, you know, far away, um, then you can take it off. Which. We've been lucky lately. I, you can only it, – it's, I am a huge proponent of masks, but, boy, when you're outside working at 95 degrees, the, uh, <laughs> the, mask, the mask is rough. Uh, so we have really been blessed the last two weeks that we're getting trying to get so much work done while it's in the 80s. Uh, but, no, we practice safe um, we, you know, gloves and all that and just come out. They can stay as little or as long as they want. And what's great is it's immediate satisfaction. We, we do some pretty high-impact quick work to get it ready and then move on to the next school and then we'll post the next opportunity in a day or two. So what do these outdoor classroom sites look like? Yeah, so it varies. So today's is different. Uh, for I'll, I'll talk about the other ones at Derby, soon to be Paxton, Benton, Fairview, and others coming online. And those are called nature play areas. And it's kind of think of a alt, completely alternative playground but without uh, all the, the typical structures. And, and in this playground, there's areas for them to play and, and explore, but there's also a clubhouse and there's sitting areas and spool tables that were donated where they can just sit and read or relax. And some of them have trails just to get them away and so to do whatever they want, to either stimulate them or, or relax them. What's interesting is each of these uh, nature play areas, because there's so much donated, they, this, and they're big, they cost us about $2,000 each with half of it being mulch. And one, the Fairview principal pointed out, she, and she said, every night you come by Fairview, kids are playing on the nature area more than the regular playground. A regular playground equipment is $30,000, and we're putting these in for two. And uh, a lot of labor, but uh, it, it's a lot of bang for our buck. Then we have what, just outdoor classroom spaces, and that's what we're working on today at West, where we're just picking areas that are under large trees or near a creek, uh, near some kind of shade, and we're just clearing them out, and we're finding some suitable seating. So in the lunch area, we're moving picnic tables into the area where there'll just be two kids at opposite ends of the table. Uh, We're putting shade sails up because there's some parts that will be in the blazing sun when it's still early September. Uh, We then have, we're buying lots of camp chairs and what we call foam sit pads that then teachers can just take out and and go under any big oak tree uh, and do their reading. And uh, we're trying to show them that when we say outdoor classrooms, a lot of people think that's to go out and learn science. And obviously you can, and that's our area. However, what you'll, you see in that document is we're saying outdoor learning doesn't mean you have to learn about the outdoors. It just means whatever you were going to do inside, 
in many cases, there's no reason it has to be inside. Um, sometimes it does. You're doing a lab or something, it needs, that's fine. But if you were going to read or do math practice or something like that, that can easily, with clipboards and, or in chairs or sit pads, they can find a comfortable place outside and enjoy it even more. Okay, so what has the interest of teachers been in these spaces? Oh, yes, so much interest. I will say that uh, more so starting with the elementary schools, but now with the Jefferson is, I'm very impressed. Jefferson's going to have four outdoor spaces. Last year they had zero, and so we're getting that online next week. And then Lang just reached out. Uh, They want to do it too, and so we're just trying to, we're trying to make two different kinds for teachers. One that is set, like there's tables and every you, you reserve that spot so you know you have it for that hour or that class. And then we just have sets of camp chairs and pads where the teachers can reserve that and go anywhere they want on campus. But there has been a, a lot of work. Uh, I want to work more on the high schools. I think uh, traditionally mm-hmm. elementary is used to, more used to going outside, followed a lot lower by middle school. So it's a big change. So that's why we're so happy to see it two already on board. And then high schools, typically, if you think of your high school, you were always in the classroom. Uh, we're, our new push, I'm begging at least the science department, think about what you're doing and does it have to be inside? And if it doesn't, get out. Sometimes it has to be inside, um, a chemistry lab or something like that. But if it's, if it's safe and easy, get out and do the work out there. Yeah, my daughter is at Hickman High School, and so I was just thinking about the space around the school and even, you know, the track and the bleachers and, yep. and you know, the away section of the bleachers. Sure, for, and they um, have huge trees, games. too, so, you know, uh, they could go under the trees. One of the things we're doing at West today, I'm standing next to these big trees, but they got branches all the way to the ground. So one thing we're going to do today is raise those branches to make those little individual kind of classroom pods. But right, the Hickman, they, there's so many places we can go. And if they need shade, we bought uh, a couple dozen of these uh, 16 by 20 foot shade sails, pretty cheap, and we're installing them ourselves. And we can put this, these shade structures up so they're not sitting in the sun. So how has leadership at each of these, and it has it been working with leadership at the individual schools, or is it really district-wide, and how encouraging and supportive have they been of creating these spaces and mm-hmm. finding room for these spaces? Because right. you know, some of the schools don't have a lot of land around them. You are very correct. And we, matter of fact, Grant Elementary, for example, uh, there's been... They are very landlocked by a cemetery on one side and roads on the other. And so one of the things, one teacher from there reached out and said, could you walk the grounds? And so that's our first step. And I realize I missed your question. I'll get right back to that. But our first step always is I come out or my assistant, other science coordinator, Reagan Webb, we come out and walk the grounds with them and identify where we think it could be done uh, efficiently also not too far from the building if for safety purposes, if it's needed or things like that. But to answer your question, uh, especially recently, I'd say the answer is both. Both the district leadership, Dr. Steepleman, uh, brought up our document we made at the board. Uh, I think he retweeted it a couple times, and uh, we've shared it with other school districts. So, uh, and as well as Dr. Jill Brown, who's the assistant superintendent of elementary, uh, she, we even put in the plan that we would like every student to get outside in elementary at least three times in a day. The first time being a recess, which is normal. The second time being a class meeting or a team builder, which is very typical, particularly at the beginning of the year, but usually indoors. So let's do it outdoors. And then the third time we're asking is at least once a day, 
in any subject area, pick a lesson that can be taught outside. Uh, so I'd say the, the enthusiasm for teachers through the roof. And then principals are, I mean, we're getting emails probably once a day now of principals saying, okay, can you, can you help us out here? And we're, we're very busy, but it's so worth it because the silver lining again is this, these are going to last well after COVID is over. Uh, thank goodness. And so we're hoping that one of those silver linings is we're just permanently changing how we're doing some of our education. And I think that that's the real benefits as hard as the struggle is right now with COVID is that there has been some really positive things that have come out of um, understanding how to live with this virus. And I think that long term, the benefit of outdoor education, we know for our kids is going to be one of them. And I, I do love that at the end of the document, there are the goals of really calling for um, each student to have three outdoor experiences during the day minimally um, with that recess, that team builder class meeting, and then the curriculum. So right. when we think about um, space, and we know that's a challenge, you know, my mind immediately went to, you know, West Middle School has the um, the farmer's market right beside right. it. <clears throat> you know, right. the when we talk about Grant and having the challenges, we have the Columbia Public Library. And if my memory serves me right, and my kids, I, as I mentioned, are in college and high school, there is an outdoor space space at the public library, maybe on the backside. So I'm curious, what outreach or considerations have there been with a private, public, government maybe, because, you know, Columbia um, right. Parks and Rec manages the the, park, the farmer's market and, you know, the, uh -huh. it's the Columbia Public Library. So has there been consideration to these, you know, maybe cooperative spaces to allow our Columbia sure. students to join. Sure. In well, that. I'll say you just taught me something about the library. I, I was not aware of that. So I'm going to check that out because that could definitely possibly ease our issue at, at a school like Grant, which I'd have to say Grant is probably, and I don't mean worse for school, they're an amazing school, but as space goes and flexibility on space, they're our biggest challenge. Uh, and so I'm going to check that out. But as far as like West, uh, the, they had, uh, the gardens, I just blanked out, the, the urban garden, uh, mm -hmm. they in the farmer's market area, we have a wonderful relationship with the CCUA that runs that and uh, the district, but specifically West Middle School. So I know they are planning on doing uh, quite the science department, quite a bit of learning over there. And I just learned actually this morning, I forgot to mention it, but because we're not doing it, but you know, we're helping with all these, but there's actually some science teachers at West Middle School that are putting up their own areas in shade sales. So they're doing that on their own and, and don't even need our help. And uh, so I know they're, I don't know where it's going, but I know they're putting up some areas too. Well, a lot of stuff going on. What are some of the things that you, like, that you want to really push to make sure happens before we start the school year? Yes, I what I would like, we have two weeks of professional development that starts on Monday. And what, what Reagan and the elementary science coordinator and I are really going to push is we want part of that to really look at the lessons we've developed and decide beforehand which ones could easily be done outside. Because teachers are incredibly busy. And especially this year, it's even, it's worse. And so we know that most teachers don't not go outside because they don't want to. It's just they're busy and they're, they were taught inside and they've taught inside and it's just, it's the way to go and it seems efficient. So we're trying to get them to think outside the box. So our, what we're begging is it's a pandemic. 
nothing is normal, not even close to normal. So let's let's make it even more not normal. And let's think outside the box and how we can really, we only get the kids likely at least at the beginning for two days in person a week. And so let's get the biggest bang for our buck and really make that two days great and get them outside, do your same curriculum. We're not asking them to do anything extra. Just do it outside. So we will share on the KOPN Facebook page the um, opportunity or call for volunteers. Are there any specific sure. materials that the Columbia Public Schools yeah. use in outdoor classrooms? That is a really good point. We have I, I have a budget of zero dollars for these because we didn't know we'd be putting in all these at the, when I had to do budgets last year. And while they are only two thousand um, dollars, they're two thousand dollars. The good news is uh, we'll go we'll run out soon. But the Assistance uh, League of Columbia, they have been awesome and gave us just under eight thousand dollars in the spring and let us carry that over for these nature areas we're we're more than halfway through it but it's just little things even when we put a when we do a nature area lumber is our biggest cost and we even ask even if you can't go buy a sea lumber a lot of people from a project have an extra two by four or two every one of those saves us five bucks and so it's just little stuff like that um that we'll take your scraps and we'll turn those scraps into a nature play area Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing what you guys are doing. It is so exciting to hear. Um, KOPN listeners, um, we will make sure to get you the contact information so that you can potentially volunteer or contribute to creating these outdoor spaces within the Columbia Public School for Education. Again, Mike, thank you so much, and thank you to our KOPN listeners. Back to you in the studio, Peter. Thank you very kindly, Jenny, and also our kindest and sincerest thanks to Mike Sidlowski for joining us today to discuss outdoor learning in Columbia Public Schools uh, and a document entitled Taking Learning Outside in Any Subject Area. We will, of course, post a link to that document on our Facebook page along with an uploaded episode, a backdated episode of what we aired today if you happen to miss any part of it. As a reminder, all KOPN Community Pulse produced episodes are available on our website and also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, should you have missed anything in the six months that we've been doing this. And a very special programming note, this week constitutes the final week that we will be bringing you Community Pulse four times a week. Starting next week, Community Pulse will begin airing twice a week on Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m., followed by two new half-hour programs from 9.30 to 10. Between the Lines will be airing on Mondays and 51% on Wednesdays. And Background Briefing will return to airing in its entirety on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. On that happy note, we wish everyone a pleasant weekend, and it's been such a great pleasure bringing you Community Pulse four days a week since, uh, actually five days a week initially, and then four days a week in the six months since this unfortunate pandemic began. As Jenny pointed out, there's so many great resources. There's the Boone County Information Hub, there's Matthew Holloway's data, and everyone, please stay safe, stay informed, cultivate a cheerful confidence that your body can fight infection. We love you, Columbia. We will speak to you again next week.